Hello and welcome to the Mount Rushmore Podcast. I'm Jeff Hopkins and I'm joined, as usual, by my good friends, Richard Benfredi. Hello. Michael Winfield. Howdy. Richard and Michael always argue, bicker nonstop about the Mount Rushmore of life. The four things that best represent, not necessarily the best or the top, but the things that they believe best represent a certain topic. And my job is here to kind of keep them away. One hand on Michael's firm chest, another hand on Mike, uh, Richard's forehead as he swings, as Michael kicks, <laughs> and keep them apart from doing damage to each other. Wait, wait, wait. How come my, is my forehead firm? You use your muscular, masculine forehead. Yeah. And keep them from doing physical damage and just do uh, kind of emotional damage to each other with words. And speaking of emotional damage, we've all had fathers, right? And we have Father's Day last time coming I checked. up. Yeah, last time, last time I checked. I, I am a father. You are a father. What, I, what they tell me, yeah. That's, and that's uh, Richard knows he's a father. Michael could be a father um, after his exploits in college. That's uh, true. Wait, what's happening now? So we <laughs> decided to honor the upcoming holiday of Father's Day, uh, send a greeting card. They don't read them, but send them. <laughs> by doing our Mount Rushmore of fathers and sons. Uh, Michael Winfield, you chose this topic. Was there a motivation other than just loving your dad? Uh, no, nothing. I mean, it just was one of the, I have, I have a big soft spot for especially movies with fathers and sons in them. And, um, I think there are times where I am way too much like my dad that it's, you know, the, the old, the apple doesn't fall too far from yeah. the tree really kicks in. Like last week, uh, <laughs> it was a stupid game that like the monopoly game from like Albertsons or Ralph's that's going oh, yeah. around. Yeah. Cause PS, I have about 500 of those tickets. Yeah. Still we, we all, oh, yeah, we yeah, all do. Yeah. And, um, I was over at my dad's and uh, he was there like with this huge stack of these little, you know, the little uh, chips and right. uh, the board that was nearly filled out. And then do you guys do them together. Well, I, I, I do them at work. Oh, OK. Just because like you go to lunch, and you buy something and then you, or you buy stuff to come mm-hmm. home for dinner. Well, as long as you're keeping yourself busy at work. And it was, it was just this great weird moment of like seeing my dad playing this dumb game. It's just like, oh, yeah. God. And for everybody who doesn't know, Michael, he played a dumb game called kickball for about eight years. All right. So, uh, Richard, you get to go first since Michael chose the topic. I do. And I decided to go in the the realm of entertainment and also um, family-run businesses, Mm. which is something you see, I think, quite a bit. That's one of the things you think about when you think of fathers and sons getting into the same business together, whether or not it's a a successful business venture may or may not be accurate. So is this a theme? It's a category. Oh, wow. I may be doing a Michael category thing. I don't know. Stole my thunder. So what are you leading off with? So I'm leading off with Sanford and Son. Oh, okay. From the, obviously, the 70s uh, sitcom Sanford and Son. This is great. Yeah, I... I remember watching this as a kid and I don't think I was with the target audience for Sanford and Son, possibly mm-hmm. might've been a little too young for it is what I'm trying to mm-hmm. say. Uh, it was in, I'm sure it was on reruns by that point. Um, but I just thought it was a, a, it's an incredible show based on a British show as, as every Norman Lear um, is sitcom he, from the seventies was based on. Is he a hack that way? Did he just steal things from? He did. Yeah, pretty much. I oh, mean, I didn't know that. Archie Bunker was stolen. Or yeah. All in the family was stolen. Yeah. Yeah. So like uh, it's based on Steptoe and Son, which was this big. British oh, well, I know that one. No, I don't. I wouldn't be shocked. Mr. Secretly lying me over here. But, um, you know, I think they had a very uh, prototypical relationship for sitcoms, fathers and sons. They had um, Fred Sanford was very irascible, cranky, very set in his ways. And his son Lamont was certainly more of a hustler. And I wanted to try and push the business in new directions. Business, of course, being a junk business. <laughs> There's not a lot of innovations, I don't think, even from the 70s until today. Was it a situation where I, I don't know 
how often I watch the show. It, it's probably one of those things that came on every once in a while, but I, I don't know if I've ever sat down. Oh, really? Yeah, I just never picked it up. But <laughs> did, was he against being part of the family business, Lamont? Or uh, was he like all in, but he just, he wanted to, you know, revolutionize? I think it was more, it was really more the latter. I mean, there were a couple of times where he would get mad. And there's one time he actually uh, got upset and left the family business and went to go work for his dad's rival, junk, you know, junk, junk guy. <laughs> And uh, that lasted about one episode. Of course, one of the really interesting things at some point, Red Fox played Fred Sanford, had a contract dispute and like walked off for like the end of one season and the beginning of the next season. So they did about eight or 10 episodes of Sanford and Son. Just and Son. No Sanford. <laughs> like his friend Grady wound up taking uh-huh. over while, while while Fred was like in San Francisco for some for some strange reason. Sanford. Sanford. I think it was San Francisco. It could be Chicago or God knows where. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it was. Like I said, I think when you think of that kind of you think of sitcom, sort of the, the original relationship between fathers and sons was definitely the more like the Ward, you know, Ward Cleaver and, and his kids or Fred McMurray and my three sons or something like that. I think by the time you get to the 70s, that's the first one I could really think of where it was. Well, do you think it was all those kids kind of having grown up like the, the kids that were kids watching TV in the 50s were now in their 20s and 30s. And then you could just relate to them as someone that was in their 20s and 30s. And they're like, they're like, well, I that. That, that doesn't yeah that, that they're in business with their dad now or? yeah yeah i think a good portion of the kids who watched grew up watching uh, leave it to beaver wound up going into the junk business you know what i mean i know what you mean i think i, I mean i suspect that it's probably you know more more to the point they probably grew up on the you know leave it to beaver my three sons type of archetypes and realized that's not very realistic in terms of real life and then you know, kind of as the culture kind of shifted they kind of gravitated to something more like that so good thing did you like it for a different reason as a kid? Oh, the theme song. Mainly the theme song. Because <laughs> let's just face it, that's a boss theme song. So <laughs> if I'm being honest, it's probably about 50% of why I picked it. I love it. The music of a pimp, the occupation junk dealer. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, what I, one thing I loved about that show was uh, just the casting. I think the guy who played Grady was about a year older than Lamont, but they put, you know, powder in his hair. <laughs> And now right. he was Fred's best friend. Right. I read recently been reading the Fred Sanford biographer, the Red Fox autobiography. Of course you have. <laughs> well, they, every the episode of yeah. Jeff Hopkins yeah. thing to do. And he was contemporary and friends with uh, Malcolm X and ran the street, <laughs> ran drugs on the street with Malcolm oh, X. Oh, yeah. I actually, I actually, actually heard that. Yeah. Yeah. And his Red Fox's brother was named Fred Sanford. And he had a brother named Lamont and he had a brother named Grady. And so reading this autobiography is very confusing because it seems <laughs> like they, they're trotting out the Do they need to put like asterisks? if it's like the real person yeah, versus the character. Yeah. So, um, okay. Uh, Michael, what's your lead? Uh, my first pick is, um, Charlie and Max. Okay. And Adam and noisy boy from the film real steel. I'm kidding. It's oh. I, <laughs> oh, that would have been fantastic. I would have loved you. if I that would have, but th- this movie, okay. Real steel, just a quick aside. That was just a crappy version of the movie that I really want to talk about. All right. And the father and son relationship that I really want to talk about, which is Lincoln Hawk Hawks. Hawk, 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 or, or Lincoln Hawks depends on which point in the movie. And Michael Hawk, aka or Hawks, aka Mike Hawk. Uh huh. Oh, what did anyone Excuse ever me? ever realize that uh, from the movie Over the Top? Oh. Now, Over the Top is I've not seen this film. It, oh my goodness! It is one of the best 
father and son reconciliation movies that is mostly about arm wrestling. <laughs> uh, so, oh, don't forget truck driving. This is also a significant amount of truck driving. A lot of truck it. driving, a lot of uh, arm wrestling. Right. Mostly arm wrestling. Mostly arm wrestling, yes. I feel like this was a pitch where somebody came in and said, hey, I got the rights to that sport you wanted. Wrestling? Oh, kind of. Oh, oh, sorry, let me go back and negotiate. <laughs> yes. <laughs> We got the, okay, we got the arm. All right, what else? That's about it. Okay, I got Indi- Indian leg wrestling. That's what we wanted, right, guys? Do it again. What was the relationship between, was it a, a focused athlete father who neglects his son? No. <laughs> Actually, oh, so most of my picks, I, I realized going through, kind of had this single father or strange father. So that's kind of the theme that kind of goes through all of it. Like okay. a reconciliation or conflict with fathers and sons. This is getting really like a... Uh, psychological here by the way Uh, dr phil just walked in anyway so uh in over the top sylvester stallone plays lincoln hawks who is a truck driver and estranged from his son michael Mm. uh michael's about 12 13 and he's just graduating from uh military academy so his mom who's dying of some disease who knows she's bedridden the disease the disease Mm -hmm. yeah uh she sends lincoln to pick him up uh from call in from like denver colorado and to drive him to la and the plan is for them to reconcile he hasn't talked to him since he was like a baby but uh they've been kept apart by uh michael's father or his grandfather and his like ex- super rich right yeah it's robert like logia and a great just villainous performance he hates robert he ha- logia he hates he hates lincoln hawk or sometimes lincoln hawks or hawks uh and doesn't like his lifestyle and he's this big rig truck dr- like his job is a big rig truck driver who also arm wrestles and mm-hmm. arm wrestling is kind of like the they it's, it's some, a metaphor for life you're really. from the wrong side of the wrong side of the track yeah yeah so uh michael hates his father and he's absent and he's never a part of his life and yada 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 you discover that he used to write to him all the time on birthdays but you know the grandfather held it back mm. and it's all uh, it's i don't know the movie is just great and i like throughout the movie you the son learns that his dad was really a good dad and was just trying to support his family but was kept apart because of whatever mm-hmm. and uh you know learns that his dad loves yeah. him yeah yeah and let's be clear it's an awful movie and okay. it, and it's incredible yeah I, okay I will give you awful and I will also give you incredible. I mean, it can be both. And and it's been a few years since I saw it. Doesn't it end with him? Doesn't the kid have to drive the truck at some point? I'm I'm pretty sure that in order to no, he, something to do with the bad guys, he had to like the, the kid had to drive this truck. The kid, Michael Hawk or Hawks, Mike Hawk, breaks out of his grandfather's estate and steals like a truck. OK, it wasn't the, does, it wasn't does, the big rig. It wasn't the big rig. Because that would have been even better. Yeah, And then he like flies to gets on a baggage claim, baggage carousel and sneaks onto a plane and flies to Las Vegas and then gets there just in time for mm-hmm. his, you know, his dad has entered the truckers division of an arm the world championship arm wrestling championships in Las Vegas. Cause where right. else would it be? Right. Of course. His dad has like put all his money into he's bet the truck. Basically he's bet the truck He's bet his life on this competition and then, mainly the truck. And then, you know, goes over the top, goes over the top. There's a lot of, a lot of oil involved. Oh. A lot of oil, a lot of hot oil, <laughs> cold oil. <laughs> 
Uh, Richard, what's your second? Well, since we're on this on the uh, subject of sports or sport, depending on where, where you're from, um, I started thinking about famous father and son combos in sports, hmm. and it got a little, it got tough because most of the time the father and the son are not at the same level in terms of either success or fame within sports. You know, a lot of times you'll have a very famous father and then a son who achieves some level of success. Like Pete Rose's kid played in like the major leagues for like two seasons or like the other way around where it's like Ken Griffey senior, who was a very good player, but then his son wound up becoming, you know, Ken Griffey junior. So I started thinking about that. And the one that I can think of where the father and the son not only competed at the same time, but both were very successful in their own respective uh, generations, Dale Earnhardt and Dale Earnhardt Jr. Hmm. Um, Have you heard of the band Dale Earnhardt Jr. Jr.? I think they had to change their name. Like I'm they not recently kidding. did. Yeah, but there was some sort of like they, lawsuit sort of thing. I don't know if thing. they had to, but they recently did. Yeah, right. Which I, I did love <laughs> that name. And they're actually a pretty good band. Check yeah. them out if you get a chance. <laughs> um, but, you know, I grew up I grew up watching NASCAR and Dale Earnhardt was NASCAR. I mean, I, I suppose Richard Petty, to some extent, for an older generation would have been. But for me growing up, it was just he was there every winning races every week, maybe knocking a guy to get out of the way to get there. Um, then his son, who was with him from his first marriage, Dale Earnhardt Jr. kind of comes to the ranks. And with racing, there's so many kids who kind of get a chance at racing because who their dad is. And invariably, they're mediocre. And sometimes they'll win some races because, hey, you know, their dad's able to get them a ride that's pretty good. And if you have a good enough car, you've got a better chance of winning, even if you're not that great of a driver. But Dale Earnhardt Jr. is also a really great driver. Is he's he been able same? to prove it on his own. He's won two or three Daytona 500s, I want to say. Has never won the actual championship, but the NASCAR championship so screwed up anymore. Is it the same style of driving or? Not necessarily. Uh, yeah, around in a circle. Yeah. Well, <laughs> in a car. In a car. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, because they called Dale Earnhardt the intimidator because he was just basically, he would like knock you out of the way if he had your car mm-hmm. into the wall if he had to. Yeah. That's it's not necessarily Dale Earnhardt Jr. Um, he was the intimidator. He was the <laughs> some intimidator. Yeah, less intimidating, more more timid, more just timid. No, it's um, you can pass me on the left. That's fine. It's okay. You know, it's all right. I'm sorry I hit you. Let me go ahead and get, get it. Get out of my way, son. Try using your signal next time, jerk. <laughs> One of the most important things about this story, I think, is just you know how Dale Earnhardt died back in 2001. He died uh, in a crash at the Daytona 500, and he was actually essentially blocking for his son and also Michael Waltrip, who was driving a car that Dale Earnhardt owned, uh, were running one and two in the race, and uh, Dale Earnhardt was running third. Um, and he basically took up, tried to take up the whole track to make sure that those two cars, either his son or his best friend, one of his best friend's cars that he owned, would win the race. And that's wow. he wound up getting tapped from behind and all this and get went pretty much head on in the wall. But I mean, I don't know. That's, that's a pretty good sacrifice I think to make um, for your kid. So top that guys. Yeah. I guess a sacrifice for a car race. Yeah. I mean, it's really the ultimate thing that you could do as a father. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad we, I'm glad we see things the, uh, the same way now that I, now that I've completely, you know, like uh, brought us upbeat, <laughs> let's get going. Let's get moving. All right, Michael, what's your next one? Uh, my next one is from a book by Roald Dahl called Danny, the champion 
champion of the world. And uh, this was one of my favorite books uh, growing up. Um, it's a son story of uh, William, who's the father of Danny. And they're a uh, father son duo who live in a caravan next to a gas station that they own, like a gas station auto repair shop. Um, I think the story opens and the mom had passed away, you know, a few months before, four months or so before, something like that. And uh, Danny's probably, I don't know, eight, nine, ten. And uh, he it's so basically uh, it's a story of this, you know, this, this nice little father and son relationship. And Danny discovers that his dad secretly at night goes off to uh, poach pheasants from the uh, like they live near Mr. Hazel's woods and Mr. Hazel's like the land owning baron and um, po- poaching parents really isn't an American thing that we can relate to. No, not so much. But amongst the kind of really weird established I don't know, uh, hunting dogs and uh, like nobility in England, like having a big woods of uh, filled with pheasants mm-hmm. is like, you know, was one of the things they did. Yeah. And so uh, at some point in the story um, the father gets hurt he like falls down and breaks an ankle and Danny has to go rescue him or uh, and then they kind of devise this great plan together and Danny comes up with the idea of how to I guess there's this big hunting party that's coming out to um, come and shoot all the pheasants and so they devise this plan to kind of poison the birds not poison them but like they they kind of drug them so they all fall asleep and capture oh. them just to embarrass this vile, you know, you know, in, mm-hmm. in all of uh, in, in a lot of Roald Dahl books, uh, the villain is often really vile. Mm-hmm. Just, There's not a lot of shading <laughs> of, the, of the villains in Roald Dahl. So by the by the end, they they kind of one up Mr. Hazel and mm-hmm. uh, embarrass him. And it's just like and he you know, declares Danny the champion of the world for his <laughs> ingenious plan. And it's just like a really sweet story. And I just I, I don't know if it just relates back to me and my dad mm-hmm. uh, growing up together or whatever. Right. I don't know. I just. Yeah. And I've never read this particular book. A lot of Roald Dahl books have like really complicated relationships between a child and their father slash parents. He, yeah, he's, he does that a lot, especially in like a, like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, either absent or something like Matilda, mm-hmm. where they're just... I think miserable. I think it's a pretty common trope. I mean, you, you see it in, in, in James in, the Giant Peach, Giant Peach. The parents die pretty quickly. Yeah, right? you'll, you'll, you see it quite often, like where you know the the son or the daughter will go off to live with an aunt or uncle when the parents die, and mm-hmm. that kind of motivates them forward. And not an uncommon uh, occurrence in wartime or poverty stricken <laughs> times. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, but still, it seems like a very convenient storytelling motif as Disney utilizes in many of its stories kill off a parent or one or two and now you've got a story about an, uh, a fantasy about a kid left to their own devices trying to make it in the world so. yeah and I like I like at the end that the you know the kid is this is kind of the hero of the story mm-hmm. gonna interrupt this dialogue to ask you to join the dialogue on our social media sites Facebook Twitter Instagram we also have Mount Rushmore podcast.com where you can find all kinds of show notes that would be videos that would be articles links uh, galore that you can use to further your knowledge on the things that we have been talking about or add some knowledge with some feedback that you can leave on that site, I believe. So please take advantage of uh, the experiences expanded when you go to our third screen, the Mount Rushmore podcast website. And of course, you can leave comments for shows that you think uh, would be great for us to bicker and uh, banter regarding certain topics that you enjoy. We'll probably laugh about those if you submit them, but then we'll consider them to be good ideas because they are. We're back and... uh, this is going to be interesting because you guys chose the same two. Are you kidding? For me? the bottom half of the show, are you a kidding little me? bit of inside baseball? 
Michael and Richard don't look at each other's choices so they can keep things lively and exciting. And maybe I shouldn't have said that. No, 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 no. Okay. It's, 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 uh, it's, it, it, it's all fair game. It's yeah. total transparency in the process. Listen, yeah. one day uh, we are each going to choose the same four and then we just shut it down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's we, we, the podcast is just completely over. Silence. One day we will have achieved Nirvana and with our four Harmony. picks, our four picks on the best pasta shape. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so who wants Facility. to lead off? Uh, tell me what your third choice well, I guess Richard goes because well, you're next. Well, you know, and it really is the idea of not all father and son relationships are harmonious. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it can be acrimonious. Well, of the two I have left, Somet- I know where this is going. Sometimes <laughs> your dad cuts off your hand. Sometimes your dad just happens. is, is, is uh, the worst person in the not not only in the world, kill, kill in the galaxy, in the galaxy. Yeah. And then so, of course, I'm talking about Darth Vader and Luke Skywalker. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, I think this is a great pick uh, good job. because Thank it's you. also my pick. Yes. <laughs> I don't think you can talk about fathers and son without the biggest conflict. Right. Uh, in the history of the universe. And uh, Michael, were you old enough to to when Empire came out? Like the whole like kind of shock value of spoiler alert, Darth Vader being Luke's dad. No, I'm I'm a couple years younger than you, but Star Wars kind of exists in the realm of I've always known it throughout my entire life. Sure. There hasn't been a moment where I haven't known that mm-hmm. Darth Vader isn't Luke Skywalker's father it, or that I haven't known about Ewoks or everything about it. It's just like I've always known it. Okay. So yeah. I, I, I didn't ever experience that, but I can imagine. And it was mind blowing. Yeah, it really right? was. It was, because what, what year was, was, uh, Empire? 1980. Yeah. So I think I, I remember seeing it for the first time, like in 82, maybe I was probably six or seven. Mm-hmm. And yeah, just like what him? Cause I think I, did you go through the pangs of no, he's just telling a lie. Like it's, he's not actually his father when he told him it was just a ploy to, I don't know. I was, six, him, I was six or seven. I probably didn't think about it that hard, but I also think that, I mean, it's just set up so well that it's like this sort of like, it's the uh, usual suspects kind of like everything mm-hmm. clicks in place. As soon as you hear it, was it, a you double know? whammy. I know this isn't about fathers and daughters, but no, I am your father. And then there, is another and realizing Leia uh, was force sensitive and related to them. That happened. And he kissed her with tongue once. Yeah. Well, weird. Yeah. If you, if you go through the history of when George Lucas decided that princess Leia was actually his sister, it was much further down when it, it wasn't intended it wasn't to be Leia. It was supposed yeah. to be another. Oh, was it? Another was it? character that. that they were spoke okay. that we were going to discover or something. But then at some point, George Lucas kind of shoehorned her in as mm-hmm. as the sister. Now, uh, I, Darth, think, I think it was like writing Jedi. It was just like, well, eh, let's make Leia the sister. Sure, Going fine. into the third film, uh, the, his evolution of fatherhood changes. He actually protects evil, his son. Evil. Evil. Evolution. What do you think is bad about uh, him as a father? Uh, he is somewhat emotionally distant I would say he really is trying to push his son into the family business as well <laughs> which I think I don't know that Luke necessarily approves of Vader doesn't know he has children much less a son right like it's some at, there's a point where I you know listen we can ignore the prequels for the most part I have I've only seen one of them yeah well you don't you don't really need to watch the other ones to enjoy Star Wars and Empire and Jedi yeah. in any way but so in theory he believes that his wife and his kids are dead. So that's kind of pursues him to that kind of pushes him to the dark side. But when he, I think when he said, you know, we can rule this the universe as father and son, I think he I think he believes it. I don't think it's 
a trick. It's not just like a trap. I think that I think it's, it's not like a Kylo Ren type of like. Uh, no, I think it's using the emotion against him. It's you and me can go kill the emperor and take uh, over. Uh, it's not like I don't think at that point it was a plot to capture him and bring him back. I think it was a plot to mm-hmm. you know, reunite the family and they can be kind of as one more powerful mm-hmm. than. And if you if you notice too, in like in Return of the Jedi, Darth Vader really doesn't do much. He doesn't. He's not like the big bad mm-hmm. in it. He's really much. He's displaced by you know, the emperor yeah. right he's there and i think throughout the entire movie he's just conflicted because his he he's compelled by the dark side to follow his master mm-hmm. but then at the same time he's like ah, that's my boy well i mean because him and the emperor have a very much a father-son type of relationship do you think richard that uh or darth vader to, was he really saying Come with me, son. Join me. You and I can rule the galaxy of pod racing like Dale Earnhardt and and Dale Dale Earnhardt Jr. as an unstoppable shake and bake kind of NASCAR champion. Luke Skywalker is not such a bad pilot himself. Uh, Yeah. Michael, have you spoken your reasons for enjoying this this father and son? Uh, I just I, I like the redemptive quality at the end where Darth Vader overcomes all of his training and push to the dark side and finally is like there's something bigger than the universe that's going on and it's I got to save my kid from being electrocuted from this asshole yeah, yeah this yeah. this guy that's ruined ruined my life for 30 <laughs> years god into the shaft you go what heck of a therapy session that could have come out of that by the way <laughs> whatever the, uh, the, the, the near the uh, the cantina on the you know go down a couple of office a couple of buildings got an office that's got the uh, Star Wars therapist <laughs> by the way that's a, someone should get on that as some sort of like a web series Star Wars be a fantastic web series guys get on this give me my 10% just I'll be happy <laughs> there's a, there's a great Jeff like, get on this all right Han say something nice about Chewie's hair <laughs> <laughs> there's um a great web kind of cartoon that's going on which is like it just it, they take like little clips from different movies or different like like a lot of it's it's about Kylo Ren and uh Han Solo and it's like the current like the adventures mm-hmm. of Han and Ben yeah and it's just edited in like Adam Driver like clips from girls and and then, oh, I've seen these. I have seen these. And yes. like Han Solo clips from whatever mm-hmm. crappy movie Harrison Ford's made yeah. lately. And they just edit into a, a very funny I've kind of back and forth. Realized Kylo. We'll post, we'll post them uh, on the website. Kylo and Poe are singing together in Inside Lee and Davis. That's kind of a fun scene there. <laughs> so uh, we are then at our last choice. And Michael, maybe you could kind of drop a little truth bomb about why this is what you. Sure. Enjoy. This this was kind of like a late choice, honestly, for me. I was going to go dark as well as going to talk about like the godfather and Ooh, i didn't care that much like about that vito corleone yeah he's kind of just there he's, you know he's kind of a, head he's kind of a crummy dad but uh, a really good dad and you know i'm not surprised that richard has him on this list too is um marlin and nemo uh from finding nemo this is another like it's kind of along the same vein i guess as danny the champion of the world where it's kind of a, a son nemo whose mother was orphaned at an early age and well, he was orphaned at an early age half not orphaned. his mother was an orphan yeah okay you get it. We got it. You got it. I mean, oh, come on. Come on. We got it. We got it. We got to gin up some sort of argument. here. We just agreed <laughs> on the last two. Go on. Okay. So crush the turtle was orphaned at an early age. <laughs> 
They're all seafood. They all get orphaned, <laughs> eaten uh, eventually. And so Marlon, the dad, becomes this oversensitive. I guess. So, OK, so uh, back up a little bit. So Nemo is the only son that survives. Yeah. And and has a damage. And uh, he has like this fin. little deformity, like this little damaged fin. Right. And throughout the movie, like Marlon, the dad is just worried and anxious, doesn't want to let his son go out in the world. And it's the story of this father kind of eventually letting go and seeing that his son can do these things that, I mean, him as a father probably can't do. Well, that's the that's the eventual lesson. But it's interesting because for being a movie that's really about a father and a son and their relationship, they're really only on screen together for five minutes at the beginning and then a few minutes at the end. Yeah. I mean, it really you're able to see their bond and why Marlon was so overprotective and what that did to Nemo and the feelings that he had because of that. And then the, you know, how the relationship changes by the time they're they're kind of reconciled and they find each other, Mm -hmm. even though they don't necessarily have to be in communication with each other for you to make that connection. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which is just, that's, that's the old Pixar magic, I suppose. They're great. Fairy dust. And I I mentioned crush earlier, but this, this scene like right in the middle where Marlon runs into crush, the giant sea turtle. And he sees his relationship with his son, which is a lot more not open, but it's a lot more trusting. Um, Right. I think that was just like such a pivotal moment. It's such a nice moment where he like, he can't understand like Marlon is just like freaking out. It's like, how, how can you let him just go off? He's like, he'll be fine. Right. Comma dude. Period. Yeah. (laughs) It's just, it's just, it's finding Nemo. What what more do you want? Finding Dory, a sequel, which is coming coming out soon. Super excited. You guys. As an employee of a certain, uh, uh, draconian entertainment company, I really appreciate it. Even though there's a lot of agreement, you guys chose two feature films currently owned and whose lawyers will be coming after us. Please. I I'm really excited for over the top land at Disneyland (laughs) coming out. The right is the right is just like you're just on like a a fist that's like down and then it comes up and then it comes back down again. Hey, big dummy. Welcome to Sanford and Son World. (laughs) That would be great. That was the worst Red Fox. That was that was not a good (laughs) Red Fox. Might have been a better Jamie Fox. Um, so that was my Samantha Fox impersonation. Or a red skeleton, perhaps. <laughs> red skeleton. These guys have registered all their father and son choices, and I'm putting it into the father and son lockbox. Swirling the combination. Richard, Ooh. add combination sound effects in here. <laughs> and left. <laughs> left is the same or right? Okay, all right. It's just a thing. It just it's turns. Thing. It doesn't it's just go a clicky. It's just a clicky. That's why you're not, that's why you're not a, a lockpick. Not a lockologist. You know, this might appeal to Richard, my choice, the judge's choice, because it's both sports and father and son. And that is a relationship between John Kinsella and Ray Kinsella in Field of Dreams. Ooh, I can't one. think of a film that I really had less to identify with because I didn't play baseball with my dad, but got choked up more in that, uh, hey, do you want to have a catch, catch scene? Yeah. yeah, it did seem to kind of solidify the father and son relationship for me, which I think our dads are often the ones who, um, unlike our moms, uh, don't always unconditionally love us. They often challenge us. They often uh, combat us in our attempts to grow up a little too fast or grow up in the wrong direction. So that, I think, is what makes the father and son relationship exceedingly interesting, especially as that's as it's seen in fiction and movies and things like that, is there's there's so much there They can be our like Luke and um, Darth, our nemesis are or they could be somebody who is limiting us like Marlon and Nemo. So they sure are kind of fun to see. So 
I'm now going to announce the winner of this outing of the Mount Rushmore podcast, and that would be Richard Manfredi, who I really felt like, you know, he embraced, he's kind of biting Michael's style with this whole theme thing, this whole category theme. A lawsuit is in the works. <laughs> but I think you may talk a- to my lawyer. <laughs> it's from it's it's from the, the law firm of father and son, and we're going to sue your ass. <laughs> Corporate Esquire. Father and son. We're not at Esquire yet. Oh. Whether he realized it or not, I mean, I think he really shows a bunch of stories in which the vehicle of father and son really played out. I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a NASCAR yeah. thing, but like NASCAR pod racing, racing um, riding the Pacific. Um, what is that? Jet thing? stream. The jet stream. And of course, that junk truck that uh, Lamont and uh, Fred Sanford had. So congratulations, Richard. I mean, my choice was Noisy Boy and Max from Real Steel. Does that have to do we? Can't sway the judge. It's too late. Richard, let me hand you this oversized novelty check. Well, written thank out you very the, much. To the amount of zero dollars and zero cents. Then I'll take it to the bank and bounce it. Uh, that's it's made out of rubber. <laughs> that's this episode of the Mount Rushmore Podcast. I've been Jeff. I'm Michael. I am was and still is Richard. <laughs>